Welcome to the Keystone Kickoff Show, brought to you by the Keystone Sports Network. Get the best Penn State sports news and analysis at KeystoneSportsNetwork.com or download the Keystone Sports app from your smartphone. Hello and welcome to the Keystone Kickoff Show. I'm Jim Galante along with Andrew P. Shea. Andy, my friend, you all ready for some more Penn State football talk? I am. We're inching closer. We're past the... We're past the demarcation line in July where we're in the second half of the month. That means it's almost August. It's almost football season, Jimmy. It It is getting there. And I think, what is it, next week, they, the big, big Ten media starts. Several of the other conferences have already had their media days. So that's coming. So I thought, Andy, because of that, this would be an opportune time to do our look ahead uh, to to this season. Now, don't worry, between now and then, we're going to get down in the crevices, really, really drill down. But today, I'd like to just do the quick overview, get everyone kind of prepped and ready for the 23 season. We're going to look at the offense in quarter one, the defense quarter two, of course, ask Andy in quarter three. And quarter four, we've got the coach in, Coach Caduti, and he had a great film out recently on... uh, Nick Singleton, I think you're all going to enjoy that conversation. So, Andy, let's start then with this offense. And let me start with this. Here's what is gone from the team from the 22 season now to the 23. Sean Clifford, starting quarterback. Brenton Strange, starting tight end. Mitchell Tinsley, Parker Washington, starting wide receivers. Juice Scruggs. Starting center, if I if I could do my arithmetic correctly, that's five starters no longer there. Who is this team going to miss most? Oh, they're going to miss <laughs> they're going to miss Sean Clifford, this the twenty four year old sixth year senior, right? Like they're going to miss him being you know in a second season and fully comfortable in his own skin with his offensive coordinator in the offense and. You know, it was. I know these sort of, you know, sort of love, sort of not like relationship that Penn State fans had with Sean over the course of his long career. I get it. I understand it. But, you know, there is some comfort in that sort of stability. And he was actually, he played his best football as a quarterback, despite a very productive and enjoyable 2019 debut as a starter. He he was at his absolute best on so many fronts. A little banged up, a little limited as a player because of injuries. He was still, you got the very best of him last year in 2023 at the quarterback position. And you're going to miss that. There's still, there is an inspirational opportunity for Penn State at the quarterback position now because Sean Clifford's no longer there. But at its core, this offense is going to miss that in some way, shape, or form. And that will have nothing to do with Drew Aller, and it won't be anything about Drew Aller. It's just that is a sort of bedrock that you just don't leave behind and expect it to look the same. I agree. There's a stability there from the veteran quarterback and truly a veteran quarterback. And... Let's talk about some of these other positions, though. Wide receiver is always a bit of a bugaboo at Penn State for so many years now. 
And you're taking right off the top Mitchell Tinsley, Parker Washington. Do you feel that they've adequately replaced those guys with Dante Cephas coming in as the transfer? Perhaps like you could look at him as the one-for-one exchange with Tinsley. And is everybody else ready to move up a notch or even more? Keandre Lambert-Smith taking over for Parker Washington. And can everybody else elevate their game, Andy? Yeah, this is a this is tricky, Jimmy, because there's a there's a little bit of known, right? Like you know what Dante Cephas can do in the MAC, but can he do it in the Big Ten? I think I I have seen enough from Keandre Lambert Smith to know that that transition that Parker Washington made last year from sort of a a guy who has a lot of potential and talent and had played some good football into sort of that next level receiver. I can see Keandre Lambert Smith making that step. There's like a hay truck full of dudes on the back of a hay truck to play wide receiver for Penn State. They're all scholarship players. There's some talent there. It is a lot of unrealized talent. And when talent becomes realized is when you can see it. I don't, you have a new quarterback. So that's another factor as well. Is a wide receiver position critical? No. Is a wide receiver position unknown and unproven? Yes. I think that is it. There is a lot of unknown and a lot of unproven at the level Penn State is going to be at in 2023, which is a top five football team in the country, right? Like that's a given. They're one of the top five football teams in the country. I don't give a crap who you put out there. I'll argue that one until I'm blue in the face. Let's go. I'm ready to argue with you on that one. Give me four better ones or five better ones and let's go. But having said that, this is the one that's going to play out during the season. The wide receiver position is going to play out. I think they find some talent. I think there's a little bit of it realized. It would be ideal if it helped the quarterback a little. But right now, I don't. I can't say that I know enough to know that say, oh, this is good. they'll be fine. This is going to be a strength. There's still a lot to learn, and I really, really feel any position on this roster across the board other than special teams, and that's just the kicking game, other than that, the wide receiver position will be the greatest development position, I think, you that has the potential to be a development position in 2023 during the course of the season. You'll see it progress right in front of your eyes. That's the one that's going to grow in front of you. But it's also going to do that in combination with the quarterback. And the other part to this, Andy, is I'm not sure how good they have to be to be better than last year. I know Tinsley did a couple good things. Parker Washington did some good things prior to getting hurt, so we know he was out even for a few games. But I'm not sure they set the bar so high that it can't be filled by the crew that is left there. As you said, a lot of potential yet as far as, and which just means they haven't done it yet. Um, I'm wondering how much the loss of Brenton Strange will be a factor. I'm I'm a big Theo Johnson guy. I'm a big Tyler Warren guy. But Brenton Strange did a lot for this team last year. Yeah, Brenton Strange did a lot. And you didn't think you weren't, you didn't expect what you got out of Brenton Strange, right? Like you didn't go into the 2022 season saying, Brenton Strange, while I thought he was imminently draftable, he hadn't fully realized that potential. <laughs> by 
by the Auburn game, it was it was like, okay, that kid is next level from here forward. And it is there at the tight end position, and I think you're going to see it. Tight end is is probably the position on the roster, on offense, that I actually have the least concern about. I, I really don't. I, I don't think the tight end is going to be problematic at all. Let's go big picture. I think the yep. offensive line, essentially four out of five starters back, I think they're in good hands. Running back, I'm not concerned. If anything, they even have more depth um, there. We all, we've talked about the new quarterback. Now let's put the pieces all together, Andy. We're putting in a young quarterback, replacing the veteran. What, what do you expect from this offense? So, yeah, that's a good question. What do I think this offense's expectation is? I think it's you're going to have a greenhorn starting quarterback. But I'm pretty sure in the James Franklin era, I am certain in the James Franklin era, he has never had more high-end tools at the quarterback position in one player than he has right now in Drew Aller. Drew Aller has more tools in his toolkit than anybody James Franklin's ever, you know, auditioned or put out there at the quarterback position. You like the audition part because there's a bunch of dudes that have come through the quarterback room at Penn State. So I everyone thinks this is going to be about Drew Aller. I don't think the success of this offense is going to be about Drew Aller. I think the success of this offense is going to be about the about the diversity of the skill positions and the ability to be multifaceted. They are not going to be a run-down-your-throat team. Everyone thinks they will be. They are not going to be – Mike Yersich is not going to coordinate a Michigan-style offense, even though they have – one of the best young, if not the best young running back combination duo in all of college football in those two sophomores. I just don't think they're going to be a running team. I think they are still going to expect to be a 30 to 35 point a game offense, even with a greenhorn quarterback, even with some question marks at the wide receiver position, unrealized talent. Cause I think the offensive line has it. I think the running back position only opens that up. And I think the quarterback has the tools that nobody else has had at this position at Penn State in the last decade. Now, I'll disagree a bit that I think he Drew Aller's the biggest variable. And I, I think the offensive line will be at least good. You know, great, that's a whole other question. But I think they'll at least be good. There's more depth there. They have a very high-end left tackle. The running backs are exceptional. We know that. I think, as you said, a lot of confidence in the tight ends. The wide receivers, again, the bar is was not set that high for them. I think they'll at least do what we saw last year. So to me, the biggest variable is Drew Auer. Give you the final just, word on the offense overall, Andy. What are we going to see? I disagree with you that Drew Aller is the biggest variable. I, I just we can and 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 that's okay. I I can see what you're saying. I I don't disagree with you at its core, but I don't think so. I think the wide receivers are the biggest variable. Drew Aller could be good. They can't get open or get off coverage and in, in, in sticky coverage, or they 
aren't consistently catching the ball, right? For example, they're not consistent pass catchers with the darts that he's throwing. He might be doing everything very well and they're not meeting him halfway across the room. That is where the problem is. I don't see Drew Aller and being a first year starter, while there is some merit to that, you have to learn on the fly. I don't see it as sort of the biggest fair. I think can the wide receivers sort of meet him halfway across the room and be part of the solution and not be part of the problem. Cause I have a hard time seeing him being part of the problem. Yeah. Unless I, I get the idea. It's the passing game. It's the quarterback getting the ball yep. completed yep. to the receivers. And there's someone on both sides of that. I think the receivers will be at least average. I think there's more variable than what we're going to see from Drew Aller. Okay, Andy, that's it. Talking about the offense quarter two. We'll flip it around. We'll talk defense. Hey, guys, this is Andrew from 409 Tailgate Club, here to talk to you about our new coffee barbecue dry rub set. Over the years, we've developed some great tailgate sauces and barbecue dry rubs, but our new coffee rubs are totally unique spice blends, low in sodium, and feature Happy Valley's finest coffee, W.C. Clark's roasted right in the cheese shop in downtown State College. So head on over to 409tailgateclub.com, grab yourself some coffee rubs, and remember, always tailgate with honor. We are. StateCollege.com is your one-stop source for news, sports, opinion, entertainment, and community events. Over a decade of experience covering the Nittany Lions from reporter Ben Jones. Lively commentary from columnist Mike Porman and others. Local perspective, local expertise, local information from Penn State's hometown website, StateCollege.com. Trust StateCollege.com for daily coverage of the school, team, and place you love. Hi, this is Dustin Hawkinsmith from the Keystone Sports Network. For the best Penn State football analysis and commentary, go to KeystoneSportsNetwork.com. The rest of the KSN team and I will bring you game reviews, player evaluation, recruiting news, and plenty more. You may even hear directly from some of your favorite recruits. That's KeystoneSportsNetwork.com. You can also take Keystone Sports Network with you. Go to your app store and download Keystone Sports for your mobile device. For Penn State football news 52 weeks a year, count on the Keystone Sports Network. Are you ready to elevate your game day experience? Then it's time for turnkey tailgating with Revel XP. You get to tailgate close to Beaver Stadium with our exclusive area next to the soccer field. Revel XP will provide the tent, the chairs, table, even the cooler and ice. We even partner with local food and beverage providers to cater your tailgate event. As someone has enjoyed tailgating with Revel XP, I know you're going to love it. Go to RevelXP.com for more info. It's quarter number two on the Keystone Kickoff Show. Brought to you by the Keystone Sports Network. Get the best Penn State sports news and analysis at KeystoneSportsNetwork.com or download the Keystone Sports app from your smartphone. Welcome back to the Keystone Kickoff Show. I'm Jim Galante. He is Andrew P. Shea. Andy, we're doing our kind of 23 preview just that overview. We looked at the offense in quarter number one. We're going to do something similar uh, this quarter. Overview of the defense. And I'm going to start the same way I did the first quarter. What are they going to be missing? And this is from a guy who's very confident in this defense. Think it's going to be very, very good. But if you start with this, they're going to miss Joey Porter Jr., Tig Brown, P.J. Mustafer. 
Nick Tarburton. There's a couple really good players in there. Jonathan Sutherland. You're missing a couple high-end players, aren't you? You're missing some... You're, the safety position, Brown, missing him at, you know, Jair Brown. The safety position is... There's a loss there because that's an impact player. That That's the bottom line. He was a, he was an impact player and he was a borderline star. I think he was a star. Some would argue he was a borderline star. I thought his development and the way he played from a two-role to the one-role where he was behind Brisker and then he was Brisker's replacement and he was as good as Jaquan Brisker almost. That's, that's saying a lot. That is – that's a stopgap. That's a stop. I'm going to call it a stopgap. You got to fill. I don't see it as like a, a glaring black hole. Um, the crazy part with this defense, and this was revealing to me, like you're saying, like, what are they missing and where are the holes? Dude, it is a hard road to find something in there uh, to nitpick about. But I want to go from a little different perspective real quick. And I want to talk about the cornerback position because you mentioned Joey Porter Jr. is gone. Yeah. Elite drafted in the second round. Hello, Steelers got a steal. Um, should have been drafted in the first round, has first round top, you know, two or three in his class, draft class, NFL type talent at that position. This is what you need to know about where Penn State's defense is a little bit right now. This is what it, how Penn State's defense is revealed to me is the cornerback position. They had a transfer in portal, transfer portal in from North Carolina. Who's a baller. That guy can play. That guy's got game. He is not just a dude that couldn't get on the field at North Carolina and transferred in. This guy's a baller, right? He's a baller who came here to win a starting job in an ideal scenario or at least be able to throw his hat in the ring and continue down a path of eventually winning a starting job. That was done by the end of spring camp, Jimmy. Not only at the top end of the cornerback position, but at the depth part of the cornerback position. He couldn't crack high enough to make an impact. That's crazy. And that tells you kind of where this defense is, is at the high end, there's a lot of meat on that bone, but at the back end, when you're looking at depth and you go this deep, it's hot down there as well. There is a lot cooking on that end of it as well. And that is the crazy part of this defense is yeah, there's superstars all over the place, but it's the crazy depth and how deep it actually goes, how far down you go to see it and realize it, that is the amazing part of this defense for me. It's, I love defense. This defense has me on the edge of my seat in anticipation of this season. It could be, it could be a program-changing type defense. It has that sort of potential, Jimmy. Before we get to that overview, Andy, let's talk about some of the individuals. Yep. And I've, uh, we constantly get questions in one form or another that are asking the same thing. How does Penn State take that next step, beat a Michigan, beat an Ohio State, make the playoffs? And I say, and it sounds overly simplistic, is getting difference makers on the field. Because that's what you have at Ohio State and Alabama and Georgia. So when you talk, though, about this Penn State defense, I see playmakers, difference makers, all over the field. There's three defensive ends that could be difference makers. You have an Abdul Carter and a Curtis Jacobs at linebacker. You have 
probably an All-American in Kalen King in the defensive backfield. You may not have that same star at safety, but you got a lot of depth there, really good players, and there's a couple guys coming out who could replenish those difference makers. Is that not enough to take them to the next level with the defense? I have a hard time seeing how this defense – like if I look at it and I think, how is this defense going to struggle, right? Like so – when you think about where's the biggest, who left the biggest hole, right? The guys you listed off, it's PJ Mustafer, right? Even though I am a fan of the four defensive tackles, PJ Mustafer filled a hole and played a role that Penn State doesn't have on its roster as an individual right now. That's that's the piece of the puzzle that they're going to have to not kind of ham and egg, you know, trial and error a little bit to figure out how to replace that player with a collection of guys that is going to be their biggest overt challenge of all, but that that's it for me. Other than that, I mean, the safety position is like they could start four guys tomorrow and pick any of the four. You have to like that one of them and they all have got some seat time as in terms of reps. And if you're talking Keaton Ellis, he's played corner and safety. They've got plenty of seat time and experience. What's to hold somebody back from not going to the next level? I have a hard time not seeing one of those safeties become that next level superstar of a safety. I have a hard time seeing it. I I really do. I'm like, one of them's going to emerge because they're that freaking good. So the three defensive ends are the most, like, they're the, they're the prime rib to me, Jimmy. They're like, because what I saw from Adisa Isaac through the course of last year after missing a whole year coming back from injury, He's coming. His game is growing and growing and coming, and you can see it. He had to work back, and I'm like, that guy is going to really be good. Chop Robinson's going to become better at his craft. He was really good. Now he can become more, you know, sort of detailed in his craft. And deny Dennis Sutton, just I don't know what that's going to look like, but I can't wait to see what it does because it could be frightening for offenses if that talent is realized at the level he showed in that spring game. If it looks anything close to that, freak status. That goes into freak status. Got to get him on the field. So that's the juiciest position. The defensive tackle position and the loss of P.J. Mustafer is where the hole really is. That's that's just my opinion. And I could see why you say that, Andy, and it's not so much about uh, P.J. Mustafer versus, you know, like a Joey Porter Jr. or Tig Brown that he's better. Right but it's just how are they backfilling that position. However, with that said, this is a little bit like I I often compare the defensive tackle position and the wide receiver position in that there's a lot of guys there, yet no one has really stood out yet. There's the potential to do that. And what they're replacing for this year's team versus last year uh, you know, when we talked about Tinsley and Parker Washington moving on, my thought process was, well, that they didn't leave such a huge hole that it's unfillable. I kind of feel that way, too, about P.J. Mustafer. Now, he was coming off a major injury. That's right. part of it. I don't think he had that monster freak year last year. And... I also get the sense that defensive tackle, the message got through, they've got to become more stout, 
bigger and stronger. And it feels like the message got through. Yeah. And the other thing, yeah, I, I don't disagree with you. The, the, the other part of the defensive tackle where I think it's a little different than the wide receivers for me is I think the four guys there that they're going to look at to be, you know, their top four on the rotation. I think in each one of them has, is, has shown themselves of as competently capable to play a, to play a variety of roles at the defensive and in the interior of the defensive front position. And I don't think you're going to end up with a standout. I don't think one of them is going to emerge as, you know, sort of the Alabama slammer guy, like, Whoa, that guy's now he's a monster in the middle. I don't think you're going to have that, but I just think while you're not really paying attention, because there's so many superstars on that defense, they're going to just quietly sort of comfortably numb you into, Hey, they're, pretty solid at what they do they're not going to wow you because the guys on their left and right that are coming around the edges they're going to steal the thunder but they i think there's they're competently capable and i think that is a strength in and of itself as a group i really like that dynamic jimmy and i I just wanted to make sure that you know you guys the fans understood not you but fans understood that there is a competence and capability in that but still not having a PJ Mustafer type body leaves a mark. It does, but I also think, um, and again, I'm going to say the Captain Obvious t- kind of thing. They are going to be good enough until they aren't, right. which means will somebody expose them? And we all remember the game a couple years ago where you know Illinois just turned it into a rock fight. Um, they're going to play Iowa this year. Of course, there's also Michigan. Will someone be able to take advantage of them and just say, this is what we're going to do? Because we don't want to deal with the rest of the defense. We just want to pound them right up the middle. That's our best and only shot to beat this defense. But if we're talking about Penn State's defense, and I think we got to talk about the coordinator also. Manny Diaz has, in one year, really put his stamp on this group. Yep. And no, he can't make those tackles bigger and stronger, but he's the guy who's going to put these players in position to succeed. Yeah, I I completely and 200% agree with you that the coordinator is the 12th starter for this defense, right? Like he's he's a mile ahead of them. He's a mile ahead of them most of the time because he has more talent than most offenses do but the one thing about I want to go back and you just talked about teams going right at them right like can we go right at them up the middle and to me I'm like yeah I I can see that as we're just going to go right at you straight down your you know right up the middle of the field and then I look at the second layer which we haven't even talked about yet and then you've got King Curtis Jacobs and the freak Abdul Carter they can do run support pretty well at the linebacker position. They are going to be an asset for those D tackles. Don't ever forget about the linebackers on this defense. There's we talked about them at the very end, Jimmy, because they're just so freakishly good. And Andy, you could see that's going to be part of the game plan yep. for those teams who want to ram it down their throat. And as you put it, those three linebackers are certainly going to be capable of doing that. All right, Andy, that's it for quarter number two. Stick around, everyone. 
quarter three, it's Ask Andy. Hey guys, this is Andrew from 409 Tailgate Club, here to talk to you about our new coffee barbecue dry rub set. Over the years, we've developed some great tailgate sauces and barbecue dry rubs, but our new coffee rubs are totally unique spice blends, low in sodium, and feature Happy Valley's finest coffee, W.C. Clark's, roasted right in the cheese shop in downtown State College. So head on over to 409tailgateclub.com, grab yourself some coffee rubs, and remember, always tailgate with honor. We are. StateCollege.com is your one-stop source for news, sports, opinion, entertainment, and community events. Over a decade of experience covering the Nittany Lions from reporter Ben Jones. Lively commentary from columnist Mike Porman and others. Local perspective, local expertise, local information from Penn State's hometown website, StateCollege.com. Trust StateCollege.com for daily coverage of the school, team, and place you love. Hi, this is Dustin Hawkinsmith from the Keystone Sports Network. For the best Penn State football analysis and commentary, go to KeystoneSportsNetwork.com. The rest of the KSN team and I will bring you game reviews, player evaluation, recruiting news, and plenty more. You may even hear directly from some of your favorite recruits. That's KeystoneSportsNetwork.com. You can also take Keystone Sports Network with you. Go to your app store and download Keystone Sports for your mobile device. For Penn State football news 52 weeks a year, count on the Keystone Sports Network. Are you ready to elevate your game day experience? Then it's time for turnkey tailgating with Revel XP. You get to tailgate close to Beaver Stadium with our exclusive area next to the soccer field. Revel XP will provide the tent, the chairs, table, even the cooler and ice. We even partner with local food and beverage providers to cater your tailgate event. As someone has enjoyed tailgating with Revel XP, I know you're going to love it. Go to RevelXP.com for more info. Let's get back to the action on the Keystone Kickoff Show. Brought to you by the Keystone Sports Network. Get the best Penn State sports news and analysis at KeystoneSportsNetwork.com or download the Keystone Sports app from your smartphone. And welcome back to the Keystone Kickoff Show. I'm Jim. He's Andy. It's quarter number three. That means it's time to ask Andy. This is where we're taking your questions. We'll give them the Andy, and at the end, we'll pick out a best question. If you want to ask a question of Andy, here's how you do it. Make sure you download our app, Keystone Sports. There's an Ask Andy button there. That's all you got to do. Hit that button and send in your question. Andy, are you ready to respond? I am. Let's go, Jimmy. I'm locked and loaded. All right, let's start with Stan in Nashville. And let me give a quick backstory for Stan's question. Earlier this week with Dustin, we did something. We had an exercise. It was the all-James Franklin team. Dusty literally put together an 85-man roster, all-time team, Penn Staters under James Franklin. All right, there's your uh, setup. Stan says, Andy and Jim, it's been an interesting week reflecting on the James Franklin's best 85 squad members and starting 22. My question is, how many of those starters for James Franklin would make the all-time Penn State team? I'll create some days confusion amidst the youthful recency bias. My all-time Penn State starting team would not include Micah Parsons and Saquon Barkley. I am a class of 65 alum, so I've seen them all. 
What say you? So, Andy, it was, what players on the, from the James Franklin era would make the all-time Penn State team? So, all-time Penn State team, I think you're going to go, what do you think, Jimmy? Like three deep at each position? Three deep at center? Three, six deep at guard? Six deep at tackle? Is that, or are you thinking two at each position would be an all-time list? Well, with an 85-man roster, you're going three deep. Let, let's hit the highlights. Penn State oh. has a wonderful history, a yep. lot of tremendous players. Let, yep. Let's start with the two that Stan mentioned, Saquon Barkley, yeah. Micah Parsons. Either one of them uh, starting on your all-time team or part of the team? Yeah, Stan in Nashville, Saquon Barkley is in. That's it. End of story. I, I know they've had some great running backs. Barkley's in. That's that's That one's – I'm not even up for debate on it. Micah Parsons, I agree with Stan. Penn State's had some great linebackers, and Micah Parsons didn't play his second full season because of COVID. Made sense at the time. It was the right decision. Um, you only got a year and a half of Micah Parsons at Penn State. The first year was a timeshare, and he still led the team in tackles, by the way. And the second year, he just exploded at the position and got better and better as the game went along. But that was it. It ended. His growth was stunted by COVID and, you know, a little bit by having to be in a timeshare role in his first year as a linebacker. So you didn't get that third year from him. I I, I agree. I don't think he can be in there. I don't think he is one of Penn State's all-time great linebackers. I agree, Stan. But with Barkley, got to disagree with you there, sir. And real quick, because we got more questions to get to, anybody else from the Franklin era who belongs on the all-time team? I'd consider, but I'd have to look and do research, uh, Brisker at safety. Joey Porter didn't have many interceptions. His impact was different, so I wouldn't even – I'm not sure I would include him at the corner, but I I would have to see, and I know – I would look at Trace McSorley at the quarterback position seriously as third. I know – Kerry Collins and Todd Blackledge are one and two, and there's no argument there. It's could Trace McSorley be three? Yes, maybe. You know, what's interesting with that and often gets uh, forgotten, Chuck Ficina finished second in the Heisman Trophy voting. Some, I, I think it was a little bit of a down year, but still that's got to be recognized, Andy, and he gets forgotten. Let's move on. Oh, let's go to a tough one and a sensitive one. Sean from Brookville. What are your thoughts on Sandy Barber's time as the Penn State AD? Ooh. Um, oh, so Sandy was a, Sandy's a good person. Like, Sandy's a good person. Um, Sandy is a smart athletic director. She is not a strong leader as an athletic director. And she walks the – she walked – the middle road more often than not to sort of keep the wheels turning. And I think they hired an athletic director who is less likely to walk the middle road when it comes to the athletic department and the administration at the Pennsylvania state university. Um, I don't know if that's a fault or that's a flaw. Um, You know, I mean, she wasn't 
great at her job, but she wasn't bad at her job. And I always look at it like she's a good, she's a good person. I, I think I know I like Sandy. I think Sandy is a good person and that matters. And you can be a good person and still be not great at your job, but just be good. And that's okay. But that is not the case anymore. So that's, that's my short answer. Good question. I believe the athletic director position is a position of leadership. I agree. Lead I agree. the parade. Lead I the do. parade. I said, All right. I let's, let's go to Jimmy in Forest City. He says, Andy, you think it's possible the Big Ten could gobble up the ACC and create a super conference? Would that interest you? Penn State would then have some rivalry games. Andy, I'll just say this. Gobbling up the ACC, not happening in the near future, not with the issues the ACC has getting out of their their deals, but you're commissioner of the Big Ten and you could make it happen, would you? So if I agree that you that's not gonna happen anytime soon. I, I would I would cherry pick the ACC. I really would. I would cherry pick the ACC to fit the Big Ten because the Big Ten and it's working and moving closer. They're one of the they're one of the two, right? It's the SEC and the Big Ten now. So they're one of the two hammers. And as a hammer, with you get I think they I would cherry pick. And I would cherry pick very carefully. And I'm not just saying you just go after Clemson. I would cherry pick for a bunch of different reasons that are sort of geographically centered. Um, I think of Virginia or an NC state or possibly in North Carolina would serve the big 10. Well, um, of course, who doesn't want Clemson in their conference, right? If you're cherry picking, but I think at the next level, not at the top of the food chain at the next level down, that's where I'd be looking to cherry pick in the ACC. I like North Carolina. Well, Clemson, as you said, that's the obvious one. They're further South. But I think if you did North Carolina and Duke, the academics plus the basketball, and they have their rivalry, keep them together, plus Virginia, you start to work down the East Coast, the Mid-Atlantic, where you have Penn State, Maryland, Virginia, North Carolina. It makes sense. It makes geographic sense. Um, I, I wouldn't mind seeing that, Andy. Okay, let's uh, let's see. Where do we go? So you notice we didn't mention in that question when we answered Jimmy Pitt. <laughs> Neither one of us brought them up. They're in the ACC. Just saying. Who? Who? Yeah, right. There you anyway. go. Anyway, I'm just saying. <laughs> let's let's go to Tim in Port Matilda. He says, "All right, Ohio State and Michigan combined points against Penn State." Uh, Tim is setting the over-under at 61 and a half points. You going over or under? Uh, I'm, I'm, oh gosh, I'm going under. 61 and a half. That's so a good essentially number. 30, 31 points. Yeah, that's a team. good number. Um, yeah, and yeah, that, that's a really good number. I would take the over just based on the defense, not how much the offense makes the other no, wait, wait, stop. You initially said you'd take the under, then you said the over. And no, no, no. I'm saying the reason one? I take the reason I'm, I, I'm under, I'm taking the under. Okay. And that's okay. based on the defense, right? There is a scenario that you would be worried about as a, as a better that Penn State's offense sort of 
runs a little rampant and forces the other team into a track meet. Um, can Penn State's defense hold up to a team that's playing in a track meet game? Yeah, give me them. But at its core, based on the defense, yeah, give me the under and put that on DraftKings. It's an interesting number. And after we just talked about how good this defense for Penn State will be, to say, oh, we think, you know, conceivably Ohio State, Michigan will average over 30 points against this defense. The fact is, those two teams, you mentioned Penn State being one of the five best in the country. Ohio State and Michigan, yes. And maybe even the top three in the country. Correct. And they both, Ohio State always has a good offense. They're good. This is probably as good a Michigan offense as we've seen in a while. Now, Michigan's got the quarterback that everybody else doesn't have right now. Yep, exactly. Here's uh, Steve in Chicago. Hey, Jim and Andy, I don't get to many home games based on living in Chicago. Please tell me the NIL collectives are out collecting money pregame. Based on 100,000-plus fans on site, they should easily collect a few hundred thousand per game for NIL. What do you think, Andy? Should they be out with the cup? (laughs) I don't know if you can do that for NIL. But there's a lot of other ways to skin that cat, and I know there are things that take pl- that are taking place and that happen that are tied to game day and support Penn State's NIL. Let me just share, Andy, something that I believe Penn State is trying to leverage their huge alumni group, and yes, they are doing some things to do that. The brick wall that they're running into, though, a bit is Penn State fans have not overcome that idea that paying players is wrong. Correct. They've grown up for years and years and years where sometimes the temperament down south was, hey, why not? Let's get money to the players if that makes us better. Penn State had that. We do success with honor. We don't go down that route. And the Penn State mindset has not gotten past that. And that's the hurdle that they've got to meet, Andy. And thus far from everything I hear, that's the hurdle they haven't met yet. And until they find a way to get past that hurdle, to get past that mindset, Andy, I think they're going to struggle for a while with it. And they're going to be behind other schools that are going 100 miles an hour with it. Penn State needs to find a way. That is it for Ask Andy. Stick around. We got our special guest, fourth quarter. It's the coach, Nick Caduti from For the Bloggy. Stay tuned. Hey, guys. This is Andrew from 409 Tailgate Club, here to talk to you about our new coffee barbecue dry rub set. Over the years, we've developed some great tailgate sauces and barbecue dry rubs, but our new coffee rubs are totally unique spice blends, low in sodium, and feature Happy Valley's finest coffee, W.C. Clark's roasted right in the cheese shop in downtown State College. So head on over to 409tailgateclub.com, grab yourself some coffee rubs, and remember, always tailgate with honor. We are. StateCollege.com is your one-stop source for news, sports, opinion, entertainment, and community events. Over a decade of experience covering the Nittany Lions from reporter Ben Jones. Lively commentary from columnist Mike Porman and others. Local perspective, local expertise, Local information from Penn State's hometown website, statecollege.com. 
truststatecollege.com for daily coverage of the school, team, and place you love. Hi, this is Dustin Hawkinsmith from the Keystone Sports Network. For the best Penn State football analysis and commentary, go to keystonesportsnetwork.com. The rest of the KSN team and I will bring you game reviews, player evaluation, recruiting news, and plenty more. You may even hear directly from some of your favorite recruits. That's keystonesportsnetwork.com. You can also take Keystone Sports Network with you. Go to your app store and download Keystone Sports for your mobile device. For Penn State football news 52 weeks a year, count on the Keystone Sports Network. Are you ready to elevate your game day experience? Then it's time for turnkey tailgating with Revel XP. You get to tailgate close to Beaver Stadium with our exclusive area next to the soccer field. Revel XP will provide the tent, the chairs, table, even the cooler and ice. We even partner with local food and beverage providers to cater your tailgate event. As someone has enjoyed tailgating with Revel XP, I know you're going to love it. Go to RevelXP.com for more info. We head to the home stretch in quarter number four on the Keystone Kickoff Show. Brought to you by the Keystone Sports Network. Get the best Penn State sports news and analysis at KeystoneSportsNetwork.com or download the Keystone Sports app from your smartphone. Hello and welcome back to the Keystone Kickoff Show. I'm Jim Galante with our really special guest from For the Bloggy. That's right. It's the coach, Nick Caduti. Coach, it's been way too long. How you doing, my friend? Good, Jim, man. I'm glad you've been on. Glad you let me on again. I uh, obviously didn't make too many people mad, so I'm back. <laughs> no, not in fact. If anything, it's the opposite. I be, I get such a great response to your segments on our show, so it's fantastic to have you on again. And as always, we're tying it into a video that you did recently. And folks, you got it for the bloggy, the YouTube channel. You'll see all of Nick's stuff there where he does the film study of Penn State. Fantastic stuff. You got to go there. Got to subscribe. We're fortunate enough to have Coach on with us today to talk about his latest video, which was really interesting because it highlighted the advancement and improvements from Nick Singleton through the season last year. Now, let's start at the beginning, Coach. Nick Singleton comes in. This incredible player from high school, his career incredible. You've got the skill set that Nick Singleton does when you're in high school. You could probably bounce most anything outside and just run away from everybody, right? Yeah, yeah. And if you go back and watch his film, I mean, so Singleton came from an option offense in high school, right? And so I know he's a national Gatorade player of the year, which, you know, athletically speaking, it's it's obvious. But, you know, for, for a guy like that in the option offense, there's not a lot of patient reading. Um, a lot of it is just extremely technically sound. It's all about assignment. Um, you know, a lot of it's just hitting the hole as hard as you possibly can and getting through. Um, so, you know, when when you go and you move into a, you know, a zone spread style offense, you know, where you have to be a little more patient, it was definitely, uh, I think it was it was eye-opening for him. I think about week five is when he kind of started to pick it up a little bit. But, you know, for the most part, man, it, it, and you're, when you're that talented in high school, You'd be amazed. You can get away with just about anything. And he didn't play big time ball, so a lot of the guys he played against weren't—they um, weren't to his caliber. And so for him, he—you know—he could just bounce anything and, and take it to the house. And it showed early in his career. And there were a few times which you highlighted early on when Penn State is not playing Big Ten caliber type teams, he could still get away with that. Now, you, if you're coaching him and you see that happen. Hey, kid, that was great. You just got 25 yards, but 
you're not going to get away with that come Michigan and Ohio State, right? Yeah, it goes back to coaching, right? So you, a kid that makes a great play, you know, you slap him on the butt, yada yada yada. But at the end of the day, you can't reward a, uh, you cannot reward uh, what you don't want, right? So they talk about when you, when you talk about culture and you talk about an environment with a coach, it goes back to you want to champion the things that you want. So like, if I want you to bounce the ball, great, I'm going to champion you up, I'm going to love on you, um, and you can see that the excitement for those plays was on the sidelines, but you know, you really saw the running back coach come over to Singleton and just kind of grab him by the shoulder and, and talk to him because he didn't really reward him for uh, doing things he was supposed to do. Um, I actually saw him get rewarded on plays that he was super efficient and did what he was supposed to do. They weren't big plays, but there were plays where he probably could have bounced it and against a lesser opponent would have scored. Um, but against the normal opponent, he, you know, he put that, put his foot in the ground, he got four or five yards and it kind of kept himself ahead of the chains. Um, and I think people didn't understand that, you know, it's for a kid like that, it's hard when all you did was run toss and get the ball pitched to you in high school. It's hard to learn how to read those blocks. Well, let, let's talk about that part of it. And I love you have this saying, slow to the hole, fast through the hole. And that slow to the hole means you've got to read the block. You've got to read the defender. Let's talk about that. How is that taught that there's a key player on defense that the running back has to read? Yeah, so when you look at a run play, it doesn't matter what it is. It could be a counter, buck sweep, you know, power. You hear all kinds of things. The running back has a read. He's just not hitting a hole. He's reading something, somebody, you know. And most of the plays that you see them run, they're running some inside zone. They're running some mid zone. Um, they don't really run a bunch of outside stuff. So really, he's really looking at certain and specific D linemen and gaps. And, and you know, some people teach it differently, um, but for the most part, I think they're basically reading that A gap player on those inside zone plays. And so, you know, he has to set that block up with his shoulders. He's got to set that block up with his path. And these are the things as a running back you learn that make you great. Um, you know, I hate to say this, but someone like Ezekiel Elliott, please don't get mad at me, Penn State fans. <laughs> the one thing that made him great, he really wasn't a phenomenal, phenomenal athlete. Um, you know, but what made him great, especially early in the league, was he knew how to set blocks up. Right. He knew how to he got he got he took his path and he ran and he he set that linebacker up and then put his foot in the ground and goes. Right. So when they talk about slow too, it's you're trying to get what you want in front of you. And then when you get to what you want, it's 100 miles an hour through it because you have made your mind up. And so for a guy like for a guy like Singleton, it's I have to learn how to set up what I want because I'm so athletic. If I get what I want, I'm gone. And I think that for him is when he learns that true art form, uh, I think he might be one of the most dangerous football players in the nation. I think that patience, it's such a key word. Is there, how do you teach that? Because we saw plays early on where he cut back against the grain, ends up with a big gain against athletes that weren't comparable to him. But as your film progresses, we start to see he's waiting now to read the defender. When you're coaching him at practice, how does that get created? Is it just positive reinforcement when it's done correctly? How do you do that as a coach? You know, I'll be honest with you. I think there's lots of ways. And I've kind of, I think it all depends on who you are as a player and as a coach. You know, for me, I've got a great example. I've got a uh, kid here, right? So I've got three great running backs on my team. And they're all three different, right? And they all have three different skill sets. But they all have three different behaviors. They have three different personalities. So someone, you know, for one kid, it's, 
he bounces a play on me and he gets the crap knocked out of him. And I just said, buddy, it's on you. Figure it out yourself. Huh? Next time you do that, I'm probably going to kick you in the face. Right. <laughs> but the next kid, it's like, you got to kind of shoulder him up. Be like, Hey man, what'd you do wrong? Hey, what can you do to improve? Who are you reading? Make sure that they reinforce that, that behavior you want. Right. And then I got one kid I just look at and say, I'm going to stand right here. If you go outside of me, I'm going to grab you and throw you on the ground and kick you in the testicle. Right. <laughs> and, and so he might be a kid where they just want that positive reinforcement. Hey, no, no, no. What are you reading? What are you reading? What are you reading? What are you reading? And so the only thing he looks at is that. Another thing a lot of coaches do, running back coaches do, ours just does a great job. So my running back coach played in Maryland. His dad is actually David Meggett. Um, and so what he does is I, we've, we kind of force the idea because we run a very similar offense and we've, we've kind of, he and I have kind of learned in it. They hold fingers up at the read so it forces that running back when he gets the handoff that he has to stare at that read because he's got a he's got three two he has to sound out and vocalize what he visually sees which forces him to keep staring at it you're, you're kind of ingraining that behavior you can't necessarily tell a kid to slow down but what you can do is you can explain a kid this is important you got to read this and if they see what that read is they naturally slow down what I found interesting is, you know, this key word again, patience, you're reading maybe that key, the defender, but it's also about reading the guys on your own side, the blocker, especially when they're pulling, you have to mm -hmm. read them, right? Yeah, yeah, it, it goes back to setting things up, right? It doesn't matter what the play is. It's slow too fast through because let's say there's one play he runs and they run a buck, a buck sweep where they pin the edge and they get two guys out, one kicks, one wraps around. And he does a great job of getting on the edge in that third level, you know, that DB level. And he, you know, he starts running outside real fast. He slows down. He bends it. He hits it back in. It turns the D line, the defensive back inside. And then he pits it right back out. And what he did was he set up that lineman for him. He set that kid up to success, and that sprung him for another twenty yards. Um, and, and really, it's about understanding what am I looking at? You know, what am I setting up? Why do I want to do this? And, and I think as the year progressed, I mean, I've really, really enjoyed watching uh what he did his progression how he started to learn like oh these guys can do the work for me <laughs> well and it's interesting the way you put that that the run typically you think of the blocker creating and helping the running back but it also goes the other way and there was a great example on film where a blocker and i think it was hunter norzad number 64 he pulled he was out in front getting downfield, two defenders. But Nick Singleton, again, that word patience, you ended up Hunter Norzad instead of missing both because Nick Singleton yep. helped the blocker. It looked like Hunter yep. Norzad took out two guys. Yeah, and that's really, again, that is the telltale of a savvy football player. Like, that's hard to teach on the run. Like, that's a natural thing. Like, you know, they talk about he's a natural runner. Like, those are things that, like, especially in open space, I can kind of teach it off the handoff. But in open space, when I'm running full speed, to see a kid be able to set things up, that shows me that that kid has a natural innate ability to be successful in the, in the fly. And that's what I think is going to make him so special with added with his athletic ability. And I got to believe that if you're a blocker, if you're Hunter Norzad on that play, you know, when coaches are watching the film, he's going to get a gold star for taking two guys out when it was really the running back who set up the blocker to help them help him out. So it goes works better and better through the year. So it makes us both ways.
So finally, we all watched Nick Singleton get even more anxious for this season. You're a coach. You see him, how great he was last season. What are the things he could do now to be better for his sophomore year? You know, really, I thought some place he struggled. Um, he struggled out of the backfield of the passing game. Um, I didn't think he was real good. You can tell he wasn't a part of an offense where he had to catch the ball. Um, I think out of the backfield, he could be a legitimate, legitimate threat, but he's got to really work on his hands. Um, I think if I'm correct, he had the highest drop rate in, in, in on Penn State's football team. And, you know, that's not a good thing as a running back because you're usually the check down, hey, I got to get that ball to that guy, and he's got to make that completion. Um, but that's really – I think that's his big game. That's what he's got to work on. That's his focal point. I think his running back game and, the, and his running ability is never going to be in question. Um, but if he can improve that, I think he's going to be pretty good. I think the other thing is really – really, I think the other one is, is most important is, you know, his pass blow, his pass protection ability. Um, you know, when he's, a, when he's a tailback and they have to have that extra six guy against a blitz, I think he's got to really learn how to step up and to take that on. And, you know, that right there is pure coaching, right? And that's, you know, I think a lot of running back coaches take pride in what their running backs can do as a pass protector. Um, and so with the ball in his hand, that's what, makes, that's what makes good running backs great. You know, those little things that he can get up there, take on a blitzing linebacker and have success. He's the kid that can leak out of the backfield, catch the ball, make sure he gets five yards, make a guy miss and get 20. Those are the things, the small things that are going to be what's going to separate him from being good to being great. That's fantastic, Coach. And as usual, when I talk to you, it goes way too fast. I probably have about a thousand other questions. We'll have to do it again real soon. But just a reminder to see Coach's video on Nick Singleton and all his other videos. It's great stuff. You should go back and watch all of it. Go to the YouTube for the bloggy channel. That's for the bloggy, F-O-R-T-H-E-B-L-O-G-Y. Coach, thank you very much, and thank you all for listening. Join us next time on the Keystone Kickoff Show. Hey, guys, this is Andrew from 409 Tailgate Club, here to talk to you about our new coffee barbecue dry rub set. Over the years, we've developed some great tailgate sauces and barbecue dry rubs, but our new coffee rubs are totally unique spice blends, low in sodium, and feature Happy Valley's finest coffee, W.C. Clark's, roasted right in the cheese shop in downtown State College. So head on over to 409tailgateclub.com, grab yourself some coffee rubs, and remember, always tailgate with honor. We are. StateCollege.com is your one-stop source for news, sports, opinion, entertainment, and community events. Over a decade of experience covering the Nittany Lions from reporter Ben Jones. Lively commentary from columnist Mike Porman and others. Local perspective, local expertise, local information from Penn State's hometown website, StateCollege.com. Trust StateCollege.com for daily coverage of the school, team, and place you love. Hi, this is Dustin Hawkinsmith from the Keystone Sports Network. For the best Penn State football analysis and commentary, go to keystonesportsnetwork.com. The rest of the KSN team and I will bring you game reviews, player evaluation, recruiting news, and plenty more. You may even hear directly from some of your favorite recruits. That's keystonesportsnetwork.com. You can also take Keystone Sports Network with you. Go to your app store and download Keystone Sports for your mobile device. For Penn State football news 52 weeks a year, count on the Keystone Sports Network. Are you ready to elevate your game day experience? Then it's time for turnkey tailgating with Revel XP. 
you get to tailgate close to Beaver Stadium with our exclusive area next to the soccer field. Revel XP will provide the tent, the chairs, table, even the cooler and ice. We even partner with local food and beverage providers to cater your tailgate event. As someone has enjoyed tailgating with Revel XP, I know you're going to love it. Go to revelxp.com for more info.